Hi, Patrick Madrid here. Thanks for listening. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code Patrick and get a free phone. Go to CharityMobile.com. Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Wow, hour three is here. Look how fast we got to this point. Uh, it does go quickly. So luckily, I've got a line or two open. If you want it, call this number now. So you can be on the air, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Let's go to Visalia now and talk to Melissa. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, Patrick. Um, I just have a simple question. Um, I work at a hospital that's not a Catholic hospital, and um, every year they do provide ashes, and it's the chaplain that does that, and he is not Catholic. He um, mm-hmm. he looks like he's Catholic, but I've asked him, and he's not Catholic. Okay. So I'm just curious to know if that is the same as receiving communion in a non-Catholic church. Would it be the same? Yeah, it's not the same, um, but I don't recommend it for Catholics. I mean, so let's say he's a Lutheran minister or you know some high church Protestant group, and they, they do that. Um, I don't recommend it. I recommend that Keeping in mind, of course, that ashes, they're, they're not a sacrament, so it's not a matter of validity. Is this a valid uh, form of ashes? Uh, they're just palm branches from last Easter that were burned, and they're reduced to ashes, and that's typically what's used. So it's not as though you know there's a valid or invalid version of that. It's a sacramental. It's a sign. Um, anybody can receive ashes, so let's. I'm going to add a little something to my answer to you here, Melissa. At the local Catholic parish, anybody's welcome to come. You're an atheist, you can come in and receive ashes if you want to. Everybody is welcome to receive ashes. So it's not like Holy Communion in any of those senses. But my personal advice would be, as a Catholic, if you're going to go to the Mass on, on today, Ash Wednesday, which is not a Holy Day of Obligation, by the way, it's a good thing to go if you can, but it's not it's not obligatory. But if you're going to go to get ashes, go to a Catholic church. And, and that okay. would be my recommendation. I personally would not go receive ashes from a Lutheran minister because he has no authority, he has no ministry that I recognize, in, not in anything that pertains to me as a Catholic. And he may be a great guy, I'm not knocking him as a person. Yeah. But he has no jurisdiction or authority or anything for me as a Catholic. So I would make my way to a Catholic church for ashes. Okay, well, good thing is that um, our church does have Mass all day today, so I will make it at 7 p.m. tonight. So I will be Wonderful. fine. I was just curious about that. Okay, well, thank you, Patrick. You're welcome, Melissa. Thank you. And there was a little question that came up. Uh, what is today? Ash Wednesday. So it might have been Monday. I forget now. Cyrus, maybe you can help me. But didn't we have a social media clip about whether or not to, some people say you should wash the ashes off your forehead or you should, you know, take a cloth and, and <clears throat> pardon me, and wipe them off. And other people say, no, no, keep them on there. Kind of two schools of thought that I talked about. Uh, that is a social media clip, I think. Yeah, it? yeah, it's on the app. So okay. just, or uh, or on the website. So you can go to relevantradio.com and, and it, it, you'll find it right there. But the app's even better. Uh, and so download, if you don't have the app, why don't you have the app? Yeah, uh, it's free. Right. And there's so many awesome resources on there. But I'm opening it up right now. 
and there it is. It's the very first. It's under today's best. Um, yeah, and it's there's a it's the, from yesterday's show, and there's yeah there's a ash cross on on a woman's forehead, and all your answers are going to be in that in that link. Well done. And now that you mentioned it, I remember you mentioning it in passing earlier this morning. So yeah, that's right there on the Relevant Radio app. If you're interested in my answer, I talked first of all about the two schools of thought. Sort of the more traditional school of thought would be when the ashes are imposed on your forehead, you just wear them throughout the day. And when you wash your face at whatever point later that day or that night before you go to bed, that's when they come off. Uh, it's It's a witness to Jesus. It's a witness to your being a follower of Jesus, the power of the cross, the Lord's sacrifice on the cross for you. All of those things are redolent in the sign of the ashes. Then there's a school of thought that invoking scripture where Jesus says, when you fast, wash your face and comb your hair and don't look gloomy. And they'll make the case that by wearing ashes, somehow you're being triumphalistic or you're being showy or or you're doing it for applause or you want everybody to look at you. And, And I don't personally hold that view at all. But there are those who sincerely do. So the way I summarized it in in what you're going to see and and hear, if you look at that in the app, the Relevant Radio app, is I said, you have freedom to do either one. The traditional mode would be to wear the ashes until they come off at some point later. Um, But you're free if for some reason that causes you some anxiety. You're free to wash them off if you wish to do so. We have that freedom. Let's go to Chelsea in Ohio. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning. Um, I have a question, and I'm hoping that I can ask this, and it makes sense. But um, I'm bipolar, and I feel like it affects my relationship with God a lot. And I was just wondering, like, why he makes people that way. Because, well, one, it causes a lot of suffering. But two, Mm -hmm. um, like, when... I'm manic. Sometimes I can get a little hyper-religious, and then when I'm depressed, sometimes it makes me not religious at all. And it seems to kind of contradict how he is supposed to have made us. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, I actually know a few people who have the same um, situation, the same cross that they're carrying with these things. Have you been diagnosed with whatever the clinical term is for being bipolar, have you had a doctor identify that? Yes. Okay. Well, the first thing I'd like to point out, and you already know this, but I'd like to emphasize it, and that is that God permits different people to carry different crosses for his own inscrutable purposes that we will in heaven find out why this is the case. But for now, we accept that the Lord gives certain people crosses. Some people are born with some, you know, debilitation. Maybe it's blindness or deafness. Some people are colorblind. Some people are born with a genetic predisposition towards some illness. This is part of the human condition in the, after the fall, and certainly in the area of physiology where pathologies come in and, and bodily problems arise. God does not step in and stop those things from happening. It would be nice if he did, but he doesn't. He just lets these things run their course, typically. So if we're wondering, why does God allow this? It's not that he's necessarily wishing upon you or decreeing that you have some cross like this, but rather as a matter of genetics and whatever other factors may play into this, 
God allows our human condition to just sort of play out. Now, it doesn't mean that he's unaware of it or he doesn't care or that he couldn't change it if he wanted to, but you're experiencing this condition of being bipolar is not a punishment from God. He's not zapping you because you did something wrong. Uh, Rather, this is just one of those things in life that you wound up having. So, um, it's, I think that's important to understand that God didn't say, okay, I'm about to create Chelsea, and I want her to have a big old case of being bipolar. No, that's not how God did that. The, whatever the genetic or physiological things that led up to this, maybe it, maybe it existed in some way from the time you were conceived. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it developed over time. That's not God making you defective. He makes you as you. And in our physical dimension, we all have certain, you know, deficiencies, certain certain things. Everybody's got something. Some people have a lot of things. So it's not God making you defective. You're the way God made you, keeping in mind that your parents are the ones whose union led to the existence of your body, God makes your soul. And God provides everything that you need to be happy in this life, even if it's a difficult life. For some people it is. So I I guess I just want to emphasize that point, Chelsea. It's not that God cheated you or that God let you down or that God gave you half of what he gave other people or anything like that. He has a plan and a purpose for why he permits these things to be in your life. And all of us, we all have whatever, whatever those issues may be. So perhaps if you look at it from that standpoint, you realize that this is God's, in a way, I hate to put it in these terms because it probably sounds outrageous, but in a way it's, it can be understood as a blessing in disguise. So what I mean by that is you mentioned that sometimes you're, you're, if you're in a manic state, you're more religious. Is that how you said it? That you're more maybe in tune with yeah. God? Okay. Yeah. And then sometimes when you're when it, the pendulum has swung t- to the other end of the spectrum, you don't have that relationship. You don't have the, you know, the emotional connection with God. Maybe it's hard to pray. I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to describe your condition. You can do that. But in a way, that is a kind of blessing because, number one, God, of course, understands that. So if you are debilitated by this in a way that prevents you from praying well, or praying at all even, God understands that. And if it's beyond your control, and, and this is, it's not like you're sinning or anything like that. You're struggling with this illness. You're struggling as best you can with the circumstances. God knows that, and, and he loves you, and he loves you for how you are and who you are. And so in the midst of that suffering, you can offer that to the Lord and say, Lord, I, you know, I'd rather not have this, but in your wisdom, you've seen fit for me to have this cross. Please help me carry it. Please help me yeah. you know, love you. And even though I don't understand this mystery in my life, I'm trusting you. And I love you, and I, I ask for your help to carry this cross. I think that I can't imagine God asking anything more of you. How do you tell the difference between 
the debilitation and sin, though. Like, so say you do something out of um, either like a manic state or a depressive state, and it's kind of out of your control because you're not in your right mind or something. And then you come back to being yourself and you're like, what have I done? You know, like, mm-hmm. how does, how do you balance that? That's a great question. I, I think these principles can help guide us all in this, in this question. Sin is an act of the will. And what I mean by that is, so let's say that you're tempted by impure thoughts, or let's say you're tempted by intrusive voices, you know, saying things that aren't coming from you. Could be your imagination, could be the evil one, but whatever the source is, as long as you don't consent to it, as long as you don't say yes to it, a million temptations don't add up to even one sin. They're just temptations. And if your circumstances are, are hampered by you know, an illness, let's say like bipolarism, if that's the right term for it, um, you, you are not responsible for things that are beyond your control. Therefore, it can't be a sin if you can't control it. Okay. You see what I mean? You, you, only can, you can only commit a sin. And I don't mean to minimize sin, because sin is easy to commit. So let's face it. But if you're really wondering... When I flew off the handle and got really angry at that person, I told her off and I you know, said some things I wish I hadn't said. If it was truly this debilitation that was causing you to do that and you couldn't really help it just because you were in one of those states, God understands that. And I don't think that would be sin because you didn't choose it. You didn't say yes to it. it just, boy, that little child's not happy with my answer. Is she? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Is that a boy or a girl? A boy. Sounds like he wants your attention. Um, he does. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, is this conversation helpful at all, Chelsea? Are these are these points helping or clarifying at all? No, it's helped a, a lot. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, hang in there, and you know, it's a sin when you say yes to it. If you resist it and say no, and it keeps, you know hovering around you and bothering you and nipping at your at your heels, uh, it's not a sin as long as you don't say yes to it and give in to it. That's a good rule of thumb. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it so much. Good chatting, Chelsea. God bless you. 888-914-9149. How about Andrew now in Los Angeles? Good morning, Andrew. How's the that uh, atmospheric river treating you? Is that all died down now? You done with all the rain? Well, we don't have Andrew. Yes, Andrew. It's not nice to make prank phone calls. <laughs> we'll see if we can come back to you in a minute, Andrew. How about Marion now in Dayton, Ohio, that is. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Patrick. First of all, thank you for your answer to Chelsea. That was magnificent. Thank you. But I have a bone to pick with your answer to Rebecca, the okay. teacher who called about the gender issues. Mm-hmm. She said, that's insanity. And you agreed. And that's a pejorative term for mental illness. I hope Chelsea wasn't listening and didn't hear you agree to that. On relevant radio, I hear some of the announcers using the word crazy. And that's a pejorative for mental illness. And and people like Chelsea, I've been affected by it. People who have been affected by it just cringe when they hear those words. 
And I, I, I just thought I'd point it out to you. Well, you're thoughtful in doing so, Marion. I have a somewhat different view, um, but I respect the fact that you say that. It's, it, these are colloquial terms that have more than one meaning. And I'm sensitive to the fact that some people could be offended by it. I, I recognize that. I don't dispute the point you're making. But this, these vocabulary words have a much broader variety of meanings than just that one. So it's certainly unintentional if anybody's offended by my use of the word crazy or something like that. I'll continue to use the words advisedly, of course, but um, I see the point you're making. Um, but, but there are so many other ways in which we can apply these words that don't refer to that, that I think we and have to There's so have many other words balance. we can say. Um, what's her name? I've forgotten her name. Mm-hmm. But um, someone's used the word silliness. Now, that's mm-hmm. a good word. Why don't we use that? I use that, too. <laughs> I use all the words. I do. I, I, I recognize what you're saying, Marion. I really do. I just don't share that same perspective. Okay. It's when God gives us a cross. Why do we mm-hmm. have to get a cross from other people as well? Yeah. Well, I understand. Okay. Well, thank you for understanding I appreciate it, Marion. Thank you. You're a thoughtful lady, and I appreciate you raising this issue. Thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye. Good chatting. Uh, okay, do we have Andrew? I think we do. Andrew in Los Angeles. Let's try it again. Welcome. Yes. Uh, can you hear me now? I can. Did you have your phone muted by accident, maybe? Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I, put it, I put it on mute by accident. I apologize. All right. So let's go for it. Yeah, no, it was just a really quick question um, about Ash Wednesday. So one thing I've noticed over the years is like um, the televised masses in Rome. I always see the Pope rubbing the ashes on the tops of people's heads, which is very different from the way we do it here in the United States, where you rub it on the forehead. And I mm-hmm. just was wondering if you had any knowledge about where that tradition started or um, which one's older or, you know, anything like that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just been yeah. puzzling for a while. Sure. Well, the, the, the custom of wearing ashes as a sign of penance is very ancient. Of course, it dates back to the earliest times in the Old Testament, and you see it early on, uh, wearing sackcloth and ashes. I'm thinking, for example, about uh, Jonah going to Nineveh to preach to them about their impending doom because of their sins. And what did they do? They repented, much to Jonah's displeasure, as a matter of fact. I think he didn't like the Ninevites, and he would rather have seen them be punished, but they repented. And so we're told in Jonah chapter 3 that the king and then the rest of his subjects, they covered themselves in sackcloth and sat in ashes. They doused themselves in ashes. Putting ashes on your head is certainly a biblical theme. So you're right that the custom in in the United States, certainly in much of the West, is to impose ashes not on the head, but on the forehead as a visible sign. Because if, if you have ashes on your head, sprinkled on the yeah. crown of your head, for example, not only can no one else see that, but you really can't see that either. So yeah. when you look in the mirror, if you have the sign of the cross imposed with ashes on your forehead, it's a visible reminder to you. Now, both are certainly valid. Um, putting ashes on your forehead is a more recent custom, but it's still ancient. And mm-hmm. they're both fine. Neither one is superior to the other. It's just more common, much, much more common in the United States to wear ashes on the forehead. Gotcha. Thank you. 
You're welcome. I appreciate the call and a good day to ask about that too, being Ash Wednesday. Don't forget everybody, today's not a holy day of obligation, although if you can go to Mass today and get ashes, that's great. But you do have to abstain from meat today and all the Fridays during Lent and then Good Friday. And you have to fast today if you're between the ages of 18 and if you've completed your 59th year, um, when you're 60 and up, it doesn't apply to you. But if you can, try to do some fasting today. I'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. I'm waiting to see if I'll recognize this, because I don't. This, I got this record out of your collection. Ew. Don't pretend. Don't this pretend you don't supply. have no. Don't pretend. That's gross. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Check this out. So it's air supply, right? Oh. This, <laughs> they, so it's doing all these things, you know, yeah. uh, making love out, out of, out of nothing. Yeah. No, this is, make, uh, this is making no, love out of nothing at all. Very yeah. close, but different. But there's a part of the song where they where they go, we can make all the stadiums rock, and then they hit a power. They hit a power chord, and it's this is this is amazing. Like listen, listen mm. to this. Amazingly bad. And it doesn't get better than that. Man, you live in a different universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy Saint oh, Valentine's love. Day, Patrick. Everybody, th- well, thank you for the happy Saint Valentine's Day wishes, Cyrus. Um. I think everybody, when that song came on the air in, what was it, 1980, 81, All Out of Love, everyone thought it was a guy and a girl singing to each other. <laughs> I and grew then along up, came MTV. I grew up thinking that it was, I thought it was like a married couple singing to <laughs> singing to each other. You would think so. You And I think everybody thought, so it's like, oh, that's kind of a neat little song, a guy and his girl singing to each other. And then along came MTV. And you realize that's not what was happening. So I think I lost a lot of interest <laughs> at that point. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Let's go to John in Dallas. Good morning, John. Hi, Patrick. Uh, I'm a catechumen, and my question is actually a follow-up to a caller you had a day or two ago who okay. asked about what happens. And it was uh, they asked about what happens to us uh, in heaven. And so uh, my question is, uh, oh, and you during that call, you had also pointed out that at some point, uh, I think you said after the apocalypse or something, we, we get our, our, our bodies back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, my question is, um, when that happens, do we retain um, the joy we got from earthly pleasures during our human life, as well as the desire to continue pursuing them? And this would be things such as sex and music and theater or book, reading books, that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, is what I'm referring to. Yeah, great question. So I see two parts of the question. The first would be, 
do we get our bodies back and, and how exactly does that happen? We don't know exactly how it happens, but there are passages like First Thessalonians 4 where St. Paul talks about that, those who are alive when the Lord returns. This is when the, the actual rapture will take place. And the dead, he says, will rise first. So when we rise from the dead, those who have died prior to this point, we will rise and, and our souls and bodies will be reunited. So that is one of the teachings of the Church, the resurrection of the dead, will involve we become whole again. We become truly human because we're made, unlike the angels who are pure spirits, we're made for bodies and souls made for each other. So with that being the case, as to the second part of your question, will we remember and rejoice in or have fond memories of things like sexual pleasure, um, the deliciousness of food, um, and whatever the other things were that you mentioned? I think the answer is yes, but it will be purified and elevated. So if there was any sexual pleasure in this life that was wicked and sinful, no, we won't, we won't rejoice in that. We, won't, we will be sorry for whatever our sins were in that category and all the other categories too. And so we won't take any pleasure in that, but certainly we would, let's say, married folk in heaven knowing and, and remembering their life on earth. In fact, I would say our memories in heaven will be super enhanced and we'll remember far more clearly the things that we don't remember now. There are things that go on over a lifetime that you just lose track of. You forget about them. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's right. We went to that place or we saw this thing or whatever. I think in heaven, our memories are going to be super enhanced. So in all the things in which we, in a bodily way in this life, enjoyed good things in a good way, in ways that were pleasing to God, we will certainly have memories of that. And we can happily remember that. We'll remember what it was like to be married in this life with all the things that pertain to marriage in this life. We won't live the same way in heaven, as Jesus says. But yes, I do believe we will have these memories, and they'll be good memories. And we'll have so much more to occupy our time when we get to heaven. And just one little further point, I would say, just as you and I remember things we did as children, I mean, I used to play with Lincoln Logs. I don't play with Lincoln Logs anymore. It wouldn't, wouldn't occur to me to go buy Lincoln Logs and play with them. But when I was four and five years old, I did. Um, and I have a happy memory of that, but I would never bother returning to it. There's so much more and better now as an adult, but I still have those happy memories of things that I did when I was a child. So I see that as a kind of analogy. What do you think? So it sounds like what you're saying is you retain the joy from the memory itself, but you lose the desire to still engage in those things. Um, so using your uh, the, the air supply song you were just recently playing as an example. Well, Cyrus, technically, Cyrus was playing it. I was, <laughs> I was uh, an unwilling participant, but that's okay. Go ahead, John. <laughs> yeah, so what you're saying is that in that situation... I would uh, retain the memory of listening to the song and enjoying the song, but I would no longer engage in the act of listening to that song in heaven. Is that a good example to use and how that works? I think so. So if we want to use the song analogy, let's say the Beatles, because I love the Beatles, I love their music, but I'm pretty confident we're not going to hear Beatles music in heaven. It, it would just be, you know, so, so incredibly minimal and superfluous compared to the glories and the grandeur that awaits us in heaven. But I bet you in heaven, I'll remember that in this life I like the Beatles' music, 
I'll rem- I'll remember it. I don't think that'll be wiped away or anything like that. But it wouldn't occur to me to 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 say, Lord, can we play? You know, can we play um, Nowhere Man or something like that? Because what we'll have in heaven will be so far beyond anything that we can imagine that it would be, you know, unthinkable to want to go backward to something much less. That's my impression of what I read in Scripture and what St. Thomas says, things like that. Yes to the memory, but no to the desire to do those things again, because we'll have so much more. We were four guys. We were just a band who made it very, very big, that's all. That's all. Just that. Yeah, because I think, I think that's a common, again, coming from the catechumen's um, perspective, I think that, you know, probably a, a, a misconception, too, that a lot of people in my position, and even people who haven't made it to the point that I've made it to, have is that, you know, heaven is this place you get to and all the things you enjoyed, you know, on earth are taken to the next level and you'll just have an abundance of those things. Um, you know, that you'll just continue those same things, which will just be an abundance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think don't think that to make that distinction. Yeah. I don't think, and, and I'm just offering you my, my perspective on it. I don't think that we will have just a whole lot more of what we have now. We'll have something radically different and the analogy that I think about that helps me try to ponder this is that when you were an unborn baby in your mother's womb, that's all you knew. All you knew was the dark and the warm and the, you know, whatever it is that unborn babies experienced. And we all did experience it at one time. We just don't remember it. But that world that you knew as an unborn child that you can't even remember anymore it it, w- it was such a huge leap to come from the womb into this life with beautiful sunsets and falling in love and fireworks and cheese pizza and you know all just getting your driver's license and all all the countless things that we experience in this life if you were to try to explain that to a child in the womb any of those things eating a cheeseburger whatever it doesn't matter there'd be no way that that little unborn child could begin to comprehend what those experiences would be like, because it's not just more of what he had in the womb, it's different. It's beyond anything he could imagine. So my thesis, I'll leave it at this, is that the jump from the womb into this life is not as great as the, and I don't mean great as in good, I mean great as in vast, the jump from this life of mortality into eternity will be far greater than the jump from the womb into this life was for all of us. That's the way I look at it. We, will we have food in heaven? I believe so. After the general resurrection, we will be bodily so we can consume food and drink wine. I'm pretty sure it won't be White Zinn, by the way, or Boone's Farm. It's going to be the best stuff in heaven, no doubt. Uh, Will we hear music? I'm sure of it. But these are categories that we experience in such a minimal way in this life, as good as they are here, it's going to be vastly beyond that when we get to heaven. I do believe. Thank you, John. Great question you're asking. Let's go to Maria now in California. Hi, Maria. Um, Hi, Patrick. Hi. Yeah, my question is, uh, if I was married to the Catholic Church, but I'm separated in having get divorced. Um, but I live a celibate life. Mm-hmm. Can I still receive the sacrament of reconciliation? And 
and receive the Holy Communion in Mass. So let me make sure I, I want to answer your question exactly here. So you are divorced from your husband. Did you say oh, that separated. you are yeah. separated? Okay. So have you <laughs> attempted a remarriage? No. Okay. So you're not living with another man. You're no. single, but you're still married. You're separated and things look like they're going toward a divorce, right? Yes. Okay, so the answer is yes. You can certainly go to confession, uh, reconciliation. You can make a good, honest, sincere confession of all your, if you have any mortal sins, whatever they may be, say all of them, and are truly sorry for them and have a firm purpose of amendment. You know what that means, right? It means that you, here and now, you have resolved that you're going to do everything you can to cooperate with God's grace to avoid sin. You don't know what the future holds, you know, we're all weak, we can all fall into sin, but your resolve is that you're going to avoid sin. And you make that good, sincere confession, the priest absolves you of your sins, and then you step out of the confessional, Mass starts, you receive Holy Communion. You certainly can. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Sounds like there may be a little more to it. Anything more you want to add, or did we cover it? Um, I think you cover it. Okay. You seem yeah, distressed. I, I don't want to you. make you feel like we're rushing you. But if that's if that's good, if that's well, enough, then we can do that. Yeah. Well, another. What about if if the if I have committed sin, mm-hmm. like you know, one of the worst. The um, I forgot which one it is. The seventh commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm very sorry for that sin and I want to stay away from sin, mm-hmm. um, can I still can I still reconciliate with God and sure. be forgiven? Sure, sure, you can. So, the so let me give you the Ten Commandments. So, the first commandment is, "I am the Lord thy God; thou shalt not have strange gods before me." Second commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Third commandment, keep the Sabbath holy. Fourth commandment, honor thy father and mother. Fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And that encompasses sexual sins in general. I think it's the sixth commandment. Okay. So the sixth commandment deals with sexual sin, and pretty much any kind of sexual sin would fall under that category. Um, I'll come back to that. Seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. Eighth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or husband for that matter. So that's sim- the ninth commandment is very similar or it's related to the sixth commandment, but it has to do with people who are married specifically. Um, now you can commit that sin as an unmarried person, but it involves somebody who is married as the object of one's lust. The Tenth Commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. So briefly, we can touch on this issue. So the Sixth Commandment is a commandment that includes all manner of sexual sin, whatever it may be. So to your question, the answer is absolutely yes. If you're sorry for your sins, you want God's forgiveness, you have a firm purpose of amendment, you know, even though we're weak, that's true, God's grace will make you strong. 
And so you can go to confession, and if, if you have any sins in that category, definitely confess them. Confess all your serious sins, whatever they may be. And then you know that you have been forgiven. God has forgiven you. The church has reconciled you through the ministry of the priest. And you are free to receive Holy Communion. Doesn't matter what the sin was. This is the, this is the way to step out of your jail cell, in other words, and be free. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you, Patrick, uh, for, for the clarification. Appreciate it. welcome, Maria. Good chatting with you. God bless you. Go in peace. And hey, everybody, we're going to take a break, but don't forget that there is a very good, very thorough examination of conscience on the Relevant Radio app, and it's free. If you don't have it on your phone, why don't you have it on your phone? Just go to the App Store or Google Play, whatever those Android people call it, and get the Relevant Radio app going on your phone right away. This is all there waiting for you. Join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland. Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. That's better, Cyrus. At least you ended on a good note. Happy St. Valentine's Day, Patrick. Thank you. I saw Fleetwood Mac play this live in concert at the Forum. Get out of here. Can you believe it? No, I mean, really, get out of here. <laughs> How come I never told you about that before? Yeah, you keep all these concert memories to yourself. You never I share know. them. I have to get better about that. Uh, let's go to Bill in Middleton, Idaho. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Patrick. <clears throat> hey, uh, when we when we step up to uh, receive the Eucharist mm-hmm. from the priest or minister, uh, we they hold up the body of Christ and uh, say those words, and we say amen. And then we step aside and receive it ourselves. And uh, what is, I say, what I do is I say, um, thank you, Jesus, for entering my heart. And then mm-hmm. walk walk to, back to my pew. And is there anything else that we should be, uh, a, a prayer we should say, or how do we meditate on that? If you could answer that. I, I, I've been wondering that for years and years and years. Oh, it's such a great question. And what's nice is that everybody has the freedom to use whatever prayers they find helpful. So one prayer that I've prayed for many years is the one that Our Lady gave. Well, actually, it was the angel, the angel of peace, who appeared to uh, Lucia and Francisco and Jacinta in Fatima in 1917. You know, the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. I'm sure you've heard about that, right, Bill? Yes, yes. So the prayer, now I have a slightly, slightly different version of it, uh, but the prayer the angel taught these children was, 
Uh, oh my God, I believe in I believe in you. I hope in you. I adore you, and I love you. I beg pardon for all those who do not believe in you, do not hope in you, do not adore you, and do not love you. Now that's a, a slightly longer form of it. I think the original was, I believe, hope, adore, and love you. I beg pardon for all those who do not believe, hope, adore, and love you. It just, to me, it sounds, it seems better and more grammatical to say, I believe in you, I hope in you, I adore you, and I love you. And I beg pardon for all those who do not believe in you, do not hope in you, do not adore you, and do not love you. So that's that's what I personally will say any number of times before and after communion. Um, another prayer that you could say in your heart is what St. Thomas said when Jesus appeared to him, doubting Thomas in the upper room with the other apostles. He says, my Lord and my God. So he acknowledged Jesus as true God and true man. And that's been a long time ancient custom of saying those words from Scripture when you receive Jesus in Holy Communion. Another one is what we say before we receive Communion um, o Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. That's, of course, what the centurion said to Jesus in the church, enshrines that statement in the Mass as a way of reminding ourselves how unworthy we are to receive Jesus. What a great gift this is. Uh, the Latin form of that, Domini non sum dignus ut intres subtectum meum, sed tantum dig verbo et sanabitur anima mea, I learned that as a child when I was an altar boy during the Latin Mass. So that's I say that prayer in Latin because it's so meaningful to me that way. You can pray, a little prayer that I always like to pray is, and I, I offer this Holy Communion in reparation for all the sins I have committed and all the sins I have caused others to commit. That's another way of you know, giving a prayer intention. So you can, you can say anything you want. You can choose from Scripture. You can choose... Whatever is in your heart in the moment, praising God, thanking Him, repenting of your sin, petitioning God, all of those things are, you can do anything and everything, whatever occurs to you, Bill, at that time. Does that make sense? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Is there somewhere I can reference those? And Sure. Well, first of all, the ones I shared with you are just my own, you know, the ones. Now, the Fatima prayer is, is readily available the one that was given by the angel to the children. Um, if you wanted to jot these down, you could just go back about an hour from now when the show is posted, and you can listen to it and then jot them down if you like. Um, my Lord and My God, uh, that's from St. Thomas, that's in the Gospels. Uh, and the Relevant Radio app, however, we have a lot of these treasury of prayers available. So when you open the Relevant Radio app, you have basic prayers, prayers before Mass, prayers after Mass devotions, Latin prayers, there's a section on confession, and a whole lot more. So maybe that would be the easiest way, Bill, is just to get the relevant that radio would. app on your phone, and you'll have it all there at your fingertips. That'd be awesome. I'll try that. Thank you, okay. Patrick. You're welcome, Bill. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Martha in Henderson, Henderson Mill, Tennessee. Good morning and welcome. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Uh, I have a really quick question for okay. you. Why is uh, Ash Wednesday not a holy day of obligation? Well, I think the simple answer is because the Church just doesn't designate it as a required holy day of obligation. Um, I don't know what the rationale may have been back in the day, but as far as I'm aware, Ash Wednesday has never been a holy day of obligation, unlike, say, 
um, the Assumption of Our Lady, August 15th, or Ascension Thursday, uh, some of the other Holy Days of Obligation. And nowadays, a lot of the Holy Days of Obligation, or at least some of them, have been transferred to being observed on the Sunday following. And so it's not as common in the Church anymore to have Holy Days of Obligation that fall during the week. But as for Ash Wednesday, I think that's the simple answer. The Church just okay. never said this is a Holy Day of Obligation. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Nice chatting. Let's see. Um, let's go to, gosh, we have so many wonderful people here. Uh, let's go to Stuart in Aliso Viejo, California. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning, Patrick. Um, on a side note, before I even say anything, um, I did take your uh, apologetics course years ago, casually. Um, okay. It was wonderful. I still had the materials on that. and Thank you. That was the one from Holy Apostles College and Seminary, right? Correct, correct. And I, I just took it because I thought it was important for me to get more in-depth, and uh, it was wonderful. It was a great experience. Oh, thank you. All right, quick question, and I, I apologize up front for being lazy about this, because I usually can I do my own studying, but I was listening today, and uh, just brought it brought up this question to my mind. Here's the question. So Jesus was born, and right after he was born, the angels basically told Joseph, flee, because Herod was going to come and kill all the babies, right? So they had to go to Egypt. Okay, we, we got that. Mm-hmm. But we have Jesus being presented in the temple, uh, and I guess he had to be presented at a certain age. Um, well, when did that happen? Because as far as I know, Herod died, the, the Herod the Great died, what, three years, two, three years after he fled to Egypt, and then mm-hmm. they came back? So let me, so, let me jump in, just because of the shortness of time. You're right about that. So Jesus was pre- presented in the temple eight days after he was born. That, that was for the circumcision. Um, now, the circumcision would have been the first event that would have taken place after his birth, eight days after. Then there was the presentation of Jesus in the temple as the firstborn. That's spoken about in Luke chapter 2. And the question about the um, Herod wanting to kill baby Jesus, the reason that Herod told his troops to kill every male child below the age of two, I think is the clue to tell us that enough time had gone by from the visit of the Magi that that it was possible that Jesus could have been even that old, maybe up to two. So I think Herod wanted to make sure that he killed baby Jesus. So the... Okay that age range up to two years old would suggest that some amount of time passed, maybe a year, 18 months, you know, it's hard to know for sure, but it wasn't like immediately after, within a a few days after the birth of Jesus. Okay. Okay. I guess that would make more sense then. (laughs) Yeah. So thinking, how could they do both? How could they do both? And he had to flee and then, yeah, I gotcha. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and the, in the presentation, as you know, in Luke chapter 2, when Simeon the prophet and Anna the prophetess saw Jesus, um, and they they realized that the salvation had come to Israel and the, the Messiah had come to Israel, these are beautiful things to think about, how obedient Jesus was to the law that he was about to supersede. 
you know, as the Savior, as mm. the promised Messiah. So it's really cool that you're thinking about these things, Stuart. I'm glad that's helpful to you. Thank you. Cyrus, you mentioned you had a quick email you wanted to read? Yeah, this email came in response to a very thoughtful caller earlier in this hour, Marion, and she didn't like, the caller didn't like when you use the word insanity or crazy mm. on the air. Okay. I remember and that so this, this, this person wrote in, and I, the only thing I have for their name is Icarus 8. Okay. So Icarus 8 writes, What are you, cuckoo? Patrick, you possess no maliciousness and have the most, you're going to like this, and have the most eloquent vocabulary I've ever heard via any media form. P.S. But there is a P.S. I could listen to y'all for three hours, even when your political beliefs are medieval. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you call a mixed bag, right? Yeah, that's all right. I'll take it, though. That's neat. Who, Who wrote that again? Icarus 8. That's, that's all the info I have. That's great. Well, thank you, Icarus. I appreciate that. Very kind of you. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, let's see if we can get to Margaret in Sutton's Bay, Michigan. Oh, we can't. My apologies, Margaret. Soon as I said that, the clock ticked over, so we only have like 30 seconds. Please call me tomorrow. All of you who are holding, Raphael in Stockton, Margaret in Sutton's Bay, Michigan, Jack in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, and there's a bunch of others. Call me tomorrow, same Pat time, same Pat channel. We'll do it again then. I appreciate it. And get that Relevant Radio app on your phone. It's free. You're going to love it. So much there waiting for you. And in the meantime, please pray for me and I'll pray for you. God bless you.